Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, and welcome to Everything is Fine, a podcast for women over 40. I'm Talia Bacassis. And I'm Kim France. So today our guest is Jenny Lumet. And Jenny is the screenwriter for the fantastic film Rachel Getting Married, for which she received many awards. She's the executive producer and co-creator of the upcoming series Clarice, which is a sequel to the award-winning film Silence of the Lambs. She's executive producer of several of the new Star Trek series, and she generated the WGAE's first diversity caucus. She's an executive director of BinderCon, a conference for women and non-gender conforming writers, and she holds screenwriting seminars, I love this part, for women of color and women over 40. <laughs> Hi, Jenny. Hi. <laughs> it's lovely to see you guys. Yeah. It's lovely to see humans. Hi, humans. <laughs> I know, we're so desperate. What is the mood like in Hollywood these days? Um, I couldn't tell you. I mean, everybody zooms. So mm. there's no, you know, there's no gathering at the waterhole. Mm. Um, I think that the sort of the chaos that's going on right now is actually, to quote Game of Thrones, which I think I'm doing, chaos is a ladder. I think actually <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that can actually happen that might not have been able to happen if it weren't for the utter shitstorm. Can I say that? Yeah. The epic shitstorm of 2020. What feels that way to you? I feel like... You can say, I want to make a show about black people that has no, like, drugs or guns in it. People would say, yeah, okay, because everyone's everyone's looking to move, to adjust, Mm. and that's really exciting. There seems to be, um, whether or not it goes beyond lip service is something that we'll we'll find out, but there seems to be a motion towards, and I'm not going to use the D word, which is diversity, which means almost nothing anymore. But there seems to be a motion towards, like, making shit, like, fair. Right. And uh, listening to people who haven't been listened to before, that said, that's hopeful. And it's not like the bottom line is anything else besides cash money, because that's what it is. It's a business. Right. But there seems to be enough dedicated folks 
to like give it a shot in a meaningful way. So I'm just keeping my fingers oh, crossed. That's really mm. encouraging to hear. Look, I hope it's true. Yeah. Um, the Academy released uh, a you know a set of inclusive rules that were following BAFTA's inclusive rules. Again, I don't know if this is all virtue signaling and people like the woke Olympics, everybody's sprinting <laughs> in the woke Olympics. I have no idea. But um, in during the woke Olympics, sometimes you can get some actual meaningful real shit done. So maybe that's what this is. Mm-hmm. And I'm keeping my fingers crossed yeah. about it. I read that you initially wanted to be an actress. Why did you make the shift to screenwriting? Because you're not allowed to eat food when you're an actress <laughs> and you have to live your entire life 48 pounds underweight. And maybe you can have like a gummy bear every Tuesday and that's right. like, and, and like bottled water. So no, um, it's a really hard life and I was not a good actress. Um, and you should probably be really good if you want to dedicate your life to it. But I think that's changing too, in terms of not being able to eat food, maybe a tiny, tiny bit. There are a couple of, couple of real ladies out there. Hmm. No, I'm not a good actress. I'm a, I'm a pretty bad actress. Mm-hmm. And so, so says you. <laughs> no, it's true. It's really true. I think it's super important to know what you're good at. I don't like to be on a camp on camera. It makes me really uncomfortable, and oh, that well. makes me a bad actress. That's, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, then that. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Now the scrutiny. I mean, we exist under so much scrutiny every minute, all the time. Mm. Especially as we get older, the scrutiny comes in this weird inverse form of you're now invisible. Yeah. I'm like, wait, what? Do you feel invisible? No. Okay. How come? Because she's a fox. Look at her. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel invisible for a lot of reasons. I don't feel invisible, you know, like kids and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But also I make money for people, so I'm not invisible in that way. Right. Mm-hmm. I live in New York City my whole life. And then I came out, I live in Santa Monica now, and everybody in Santa Monica is very pleasant and it's like living in nancy meyer's kitchen (laughs) it's like everybody has this weird glass vase full of lemons and i don't fucking understand i'm like what what are you doing um (laughs) it's really mysterious most people are gorgeous and yeah and very young and the ladies who are over 40 there's a lot of work i don't feel invisible because because i work really hard what I do gets out there in the world. Mm-hmm. For me, that is the, the weapon against invisibility, is that what I do gets out there in the world, whatever that is. I mean, if you're, a, if you're a school teacher, your work gets out there in the world. I won't say that I don't wonder whose ass this is. <laughs> yeah. This shit moves around. I'm like, hey, what are you doing? It's jiggly. Yeah. Jiggly. We're jiggly. Would I like that to be different? Sure. But it's a funky time. Of, I'm 53, so at a time when, at a time when a lot of people are stopping, and even retiring if they can afford it, my career has gotten really big. Hmm. So it's a funny. It doesn't usually happen this way. Mm-hmm. You yeah. you once said, "I'm a woman of color in the middle of my life. I'm not supposed to be in Hollywood." What did you Correct. mean by that? Exactly that. Um, they, <laughs> exactly. That. They shoot you after you're 28 out here. They have a hor- horrific history of dealing with African Americans, dealing with all people of color. Mm-hmm. All the shows that I'm that I've created or I am producing, my resume makes sense for like a 26 year old kind of asshole douchey guy like named Jason who just got out of <laughs> USC. You know that guy? Yes. He's such a douche. 
So that's what I mean. I mean, I'm also related to famous people, and it's really good to be related to famous people out here, or even better, to be the identical twin of a famous person, because <laughs> it, it makes it easier. So that certainly gave me an entree and make people, it makes people kind of comfortable, mm-hmm. you know? makes people kind of comfortable. They don't have to deal with a 53-year-old, the anomaly of a 53-year-old African-American woman who writes stuff that's, that's of many genres, which is like weird for them, but they can say, oh yeah, but she's related to these people and, I, and she's a showbiz person. Mm-hmm. And she's sort of tribally connected, so it's not so weird. And you happen to be talented, but there are so many people who get ahead just based on that without the talent to back it up. Uh, that's very kind, thank you. Mm-hmm. Less than you would imagine. Now it's probably easier to have absolutely no, not the teeniest bit of imagination or courage and make some kind of career. But um, I think the streets are littered with the children of the rich and famous. I feel like we should say for listeners who are probably wondering that you're the granddaughter of Lena Horne and your father mm-hmm. was Sidney Lumet. Yes, I miss them. I miss them both. Hmm. You also said that women screenwriters get produced every 10 years. How do you mm-hmm. how do you keep motivated with odds like that? I mean, here's the thing. And this is really annoying. Hmm. Okay. But I genuinely believe no matter what my situation is, I know that my grandma had it worse and tougher and harder. Mm-hmm. And I genuinely don't feel in the karmic scale of things that I'm allowed to complain about shit. In my life, I'm allowed to complain about our idiot secretary of education and our excrescence, the effluvia that is in, in, our, in our White House right now. I'm allowed to complain about that, but I'm not allowed to complain about odds in my life mm. because I got a lot of cards. Right. And at some point, I'm going to have to get a Diet Coke. Can I do that? Yes, so of course. Get a Diet Coke get a Diet Coke. Coke. <laughs> okay. I'm pretty chatty this morning. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Good. Love Have it. you guys lost your social skills because of COVID? I totally lost my social skills. I'm not, I, was, I, I don't know how many I ever had. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold on one second. Should I pause my phone? Uh, no. Did we, you guys, we did love you guys the, say uh, I'm wearing? Yeah, we love the polka dot shirt and camo pants. Yeah, they're my son's camo pants. Because um, <laughs> I, I figured I wouldn't get up and, you know. It's a very good outfit. Thank you. It's like, this is what we're doing, COVID. Dignity goes out the door. <laughs> okay. Oh, you've got a big gulp. No, I have. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. You, you can't. can say anything. Okay. So I have a little fetish. It's not a little fetish. It's more like an addiction to Diet Cokes from McDonald's. And in New Why York, McDonald's? I lived around the corner. Yes, they're really good. They're better. They're better because they chill the syrup and the fizzy stuff in separate containers, and they only come together. I know I researched. You've done a deep they dive on this. Yeah. Deep dive. They only come together um, when they're going into your cup and the straw is a certain diameter because they miss nothing, <laughs> these people. And I lived around the corner from a McDonald's in New York and the da- manager, David, was my personal friend. <laughs> and when I broke my toe, he once gave me a piggyback ride to my apartment. <laughs> he wow. was such a gentleman. I can't. He's such a gen. I can't, David, if you're listening, which I don't know if I you know. are. No, unfortunately, I don't think David's listening. <laughs> <laughs> David, you are the bomb. Um, so the thing that I loved about your bio is the screenwriting seminars for women over 40, which I want to know, like, why do women over 40 need our own, why do we need our own seminar? And what's different? What are you telling people that's different from the under 40 crowd? Um, 
I don't know what to say to people under 40 for the most part, except sweetie, like that. <laughs> I totally mom out on them and like, I go like this, I'm like, you push it out of your face because I've become my mother. It started, do you guys remember, and I'm sure you're, you're hip to this, when binders came to be yeah. online? Yes. Can you just, for listeners who don't know what binders is, can you explain? Of course. Okay. Mitt Romney, when he was running for president in whatever year that was, was asked if he had any women on his campaign. He said, of course, we have binders full of women in my office. And then out of nowhere, I think six women whose names escaped me, and I'm sorry to say that, created a website called like Binders Full of Women Writers. Yep. Yeah. And... It went kaflooey. It exploded in a matter of minutes, days. It was exponential, exponential. And there's something like 40,000 or 50,000 in the US and it's, all, and it's global and it's all over the world. Mm. And there are little subgroups under the umbrella. I started a group um, and it was for women over 40 on binders specifically. Mm-hmm. And that has, I think, 1,500 people in it still. And it's really beautiful. It's a really, these things come and go, but this has held on since the beginning. And people have published and people have gotten married and divorced and people have transitioned and people have had kids or adopted kids. And there's a lot of lives that have gone through that. And I think I was probably within myself quite lonely, but I also wanted to give. I knew how to write a screenplay. I knew what the structure was. I knew what you were supposed to do. I knew what it looked like on the page. There are many women over 40 who seemed a large percentage, and if one is not in this percentage, then that is wonderful, but there seemed to be a large percentage who needed permission mm-hmm. to change their lives, to do something different, to write the thing, mm-hmm. whatever the thing was. If you want to write a cookbook, great. If you want to write a series of devotionals, great. Like whatever you want to write. They wanted permission, and it seemed to me that to demystify and to say, you don't really need permission, were the two most important things. Women over 40 are really fucking smart, and they know more. They do. They know more than a woman who's 20. We agree. I don't want to listen to you or watch your movie about how hard it is to be 22. I'm like, shut the fuck up. (laughs) You know, you're 22 the fuck years old. Have a hysterectomy and come fucking talk to me. It's like, (laughs) knock your shit, knock it off. It's like, how many C-sections have you had? None. Shush, Amber. Go lie down, go to school, do whatever the fuck you want. But we're the grown-ups in the room, Um, and you need to fucking listen. I don't have time. God, sorry. (laughs) No, please continue. Um, What I was going to ask was, you know, you had these big creative forces in your life growing up. So Mm -hmm. was your household Mm -hmm. really creative growing up? Here's the thing. So my grandmother's mother was an actress in the tent shows of the Deep South. That was still during the time period of the Reconstruction. So my son, who is an actor and actually gets paid for it and works. And he's the fifth generation. We've been doing this since the Reconstruction. Mm -hmm. No one has had a steady job since the Reconstruction. Mm -hmm. On my mom's side of the family, on my dad's side, his father, Baruch Luhmann, was an actor in the Yiddish theater. It gives you a very particular perspective. Everybody just did it. Mm -hmm. My dad left the house at 6 in the morning and had dinner with us at 6.30 every night while Mm -hmm. he was shooting. Wow. And, you know, and grandma worked and then we went to bed. I would get up at noon and work. And go, I mean, it was very, very 
it was, it was never glamorous. It was funny. It was loud. It was work. It was work. Mm-hmm. Straight up, like, this is what we do with family of plumbers. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you feel pressure to go into something creative? No. I mean, I think they would have been perfectly happy had I been a, been anything. Like, I don't know. What else am I supposed to do? I have no fucking idea. <laughs> I mean, it's like I was a terrible student, constantly truant totally wasted a very expensive education and I feel awful about that because there are people who have done such extraordinary things with it um that's my own silly spoiled shamefulness but I had no fucking idea what else you were supposed to do mm-hmm. we're gonna take a quick break for some ads hi I'm Daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain I learned this the hard way after losing my cat Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Support for Everything is Fine comes from Ritual. So I love Ritual. Everyone knows I love Ritual. I talk about Ritual all the time. I particularly love its daily, their daily multivitamin. And I also really have been enjoying their melatonin. But the thing I love most about Ritual is their Hyacera. It's a once daily skin supplement that's clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. In a clinical study, Hyacera led to 3.6 times reduction in crow's feet wrinkles within 90 days as compared to a placebo. Hyacera led to 2.9 times increase in skin smoothness within 90 days as compared to a placebo. You can enhance your skincare routine from the inside out with one daily capsule essenced with soothing vanilla. I love Hyacera. It's been rigorously tested and validated. It's one of the industry-leading sustainability. It, it meets, sorry, all of the industry-leading sustainability standards. You know I'm a beauty editor now. I am all about keeping my face plump, and Hyacera absolutely has done that for me. I've been on it for months. I don't even know how long, and I can really see a difference in the texture of my skin. My skin looks more juicy, I guess, is the best way to do it. Say it. Do it. Ah. Okay. So you can start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash fine. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription to get today. That's ritual.com slash fine for 25 percent off. Welcome back to Everything is Fine. Um, I want to pivot into something a little heavier. Um, A couple years ago, you called out Russell Simmons for sexually assaulting you in a letter that gave me chills. 
the thing about it was it was like a real, it was a tense dissection of all the little moments leading up to an assault. And you walked us through this feeling of dread that we can have when you know something bad is going to happen. How did you find the strength to write about that? It's a very, that's a very complicated question. The correct answer is, I don't know. Hmm. It would be quite palatable if I could say I meditated or I thought of the people who came before me or I thought of all the women in the world or I thought, I didn't, I thought of, there was a woman before me, uh, Kelly, I think, I believe her name was. And this is very particular and it's a little tricky to discuss. So I'm going to be, try very hard to discuss it okay. correctly. Kelly had, a, had an experience with Russell. And I'm using these words particularly because I don't want to put words in her mouth. Fair. Kelly is a white woman. I knew that within a community of people of color, and that was important to me, that what Kelly said would be viewed with a raised eyebrow because historically white women have been lethal lethal Mm -hmm. in the lives of black men straight up lethal there's no other word for it Mm. and I knew that now whether or not the white community believed Kelly I have absolutely no idea I also felt I could not leave Kelly even though I did not know Kelly and I have not met her out there twisting in the wind and that was a part of it was that particular woman who I to this day don't know Mm. The other part was there is no way that a community of color will put stock in her. And even though I believe Kelly, a community of color has a million reasons to not believe Kelly that are as valid Mm -hmm. as Kelly's own story. Mm -hmm. Um, It's tricky. White woman cries, black man dies. That's what... Right. Right? And that's why I'm being very careful Mm -hmm. as I'm speaking to you. So I also knew that the fact that I'm biracial, the fact that I'm very light-skinned, the fact that I'm related to famous people, that I was a married woman and wasn't out on the town, would all give me credibility, which is wildly fucked up. And if you understand certain pathologies, you can be the right person in the moment. Mm -hmm. I remember when Trayvon Martin got shot and one of his neighbors was interviewed and she was a dark-skinned young black woman who did not have the educational opportunities that I had. Her language was different, her cadence was different, her vocabulary was different. And people, when she spoke about murder, people mocked her. Hmm. My genuine belief is my light skin privilege, the privilege of being related to famous people, the privilege of being in a heteronormative, I'm using a lot of language here, guys, (laughs) traditional marriage with children, you know, I I wrote a fancy movie, right? Mm -hmm. I wrote a fancy movie. Mm -hmm. I wrote a highbrow, fancy-ass movie. Mm -hmm. 
all that stuff would afford me credibility to a certain extent. And I was right. I was 100% right. Hmm. Because after I wrote that letter, Russell stepped down. He didn't step down after Kelly appeared. Me Too belongs to Tarana Burke. Mm-hmm. 100%. And Me Too is incredibly valuable and was co-opted to a certain extent. That's okay. I mean, I'm glad people spoke out. If the only woman that Harvey Weinstein, he saved his worst and most disgusting language, and you can verify this, for Lupita Nyong'o. Mm-hmm. Because that's what it is, and that's what it's always been, and it will never be different, ever. Also, I knew all that. I knew all that. And then after that letter, the New York Times came out with its story, and the LA Times came out with its story, and one of those women reached out to me, and we are still friends. Hmm. Um, But those were the things that occurred in a flash it's like the only way this is going to happen. And it wasn't like me, only me. Like when you hear fucking Scientologists say, I'm the only one. It's, it wasn't that. It was, I am ideally suited and my privileges align like a fucking solar eclipse for this one moment. Right. Those are like the, those are the, the theoretical considerations. And what did it feel like when you... I don't remember. I don't remember. I'll, maybe I'll remember in a couple of years. Right. I remember there was a lot of crying and fear. Mm. Um, I can't tell you what the moment was. There aren't words. Would it be safe to say there's a po- there's been a positive side to speaking out for you? Yeah. I created three television shows and I'm the executive producer on three others. I wasn't before. But how do you, is that, sorry, what's the correlation? I don't know, but it's fucking interesting. <laughs> Whatever shame I was carrying around about that, and also there are people who have it so much worse, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't have any broken bones at the end of it, which always made me sort of bananas about people telling their stories of why didn't she, people saying, why didn't she just leave? Well, maybe because you think you're going to get your job broke is why you didn't just leave, yeah. dumbasses. Mm. God, I'm just thinking about the line in the story where the driver locks the car yeah. It's like a fucking movie. It was terrifying. Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. I lost. I sometimes in this uh, area, I drift, which mm. is, I still drift. Well, we can move on. Yeah. We can. It's fine. I mean, I can't, I can't, just can't. Um, here's what I'll say, and this is good to pull it back. Whatever I was carrying around, the million different layers of all of that, I carry it in a very, very, very different way. And it seems to have freed my creative voice. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. So speaking of your creative voice, let's talk about Rachel Getting Married, which is one of my favorite movies ever. Thank you. It's one of my favorite movies. (laughs) For those of you who don't know, it's about a family getting together for a wedding. And then the sister played by Anne Hathaway comes and throws a bomb into all the family dynamics. And there was so much that rang really authentic about that to me. But what really stood out were the rehab and 12-step meetings, um, which were so true to life. How did you swing that? I'm an Al-Anon person, which is like, mm-hmm. the, you know, in the family mm-hmm. there's yeah, someone. Yeah. So I understood it. I understood that part. Also, you know, you have Jonathan Demi. 
right. who is an extraordinary human being and a great American artist. I wish he was still with us because as a documentarian, he would be, 2020 would be everything for him and, and mm. amazing person. Um, it's not hard to access that kind of human need. I mean, I think it lives in all of us. And it was just about how far do you want to go? When I was writing that movie, I thought, what's the worst thing I can possibly think of? Let's make a movie about that. And it was what happens to a mother when one child is responsible for the death of another child. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was really fucking bad. And so, okay, I'll do, let's, let's do that. And how can I get the whole family together in one room? Weddings or funerals, and funerals are bummers. Um, and it was a bummer of a movie anyway, so you know, let's at least have a fucking wedding. And that's really how it started. I also thought it was really interesting that at the center of the movie is an interracial couple, but absolutely nothing is made of that. The movie is very much not about that. Was that intentional? Yeah. I mean, that's what my house looks like. <laughs> so I, I know people would say, when I remember we were in Venice and said, people would ask, um, is this an Obama commentary? And I was like, <laughs> What? the fuck are you talking and then mm. I, eventually I just started saying yes because people thought I was smart <laughs> I was like yes <laughs> this is about post-racial America uh, no it's about my fucking house and if anybody thinks it's the thing then that means that you've never seen it before so get out more mm. <laughs> can you talk also about uh, Clarice the new show based on the Silence of the Lambs which was like the formative terrifying movie of my life formative, ter- <laughs> yes it's also a Jonathan movie Mm, I know. I'm not quite sure how much I'm allowed to say. Okay. Not to be a jerk. But yes, we follow Clarice Starling. I always thought, well, why do these sad old murderers and these sort of lame ass profiler guys who are these wrecks and like tragic and can't get their shit together, like, why do we keep following them in television and movies? Why don't we actually, what what about the woman who actually won? Mm. Mm -hmm. Who's like saved everybody and defeated. Lecter and bested Will Graham and outlasted Jack Crawford. Like, she won. And she won when she was, like, 25 years old. So why aren't we talking about her instead of this, instead of the opera that is Hannibal? I understand he's a juicy cannibal. He's a juicy cannibal. He's a juicy character. <laughs> and a juicy cannibal. Um, and a juicy cannibal. But I'm sick of human depravity. Fuck. I feel like you work on a lot of shows that could be perceived primarily as male, but then you do, like, a female spin on it maybe like the star trek stuff too no i mean maybe? yes i hate to put a put a maybe i don't hate to put a you know what i'm actually lying right now because it's the first time anybody said that to me and i had this conversation with my boyfriend and he was like you're like a fucking guy <laughs> and I, <laughs> um and i didn't want to go put it like that because i thought it meant yes it's true but also let's blow that up um action adventure police work like, why is fantasy an action event and a woman's life? If it wasn't for her own fantasies, I don't know how the hell she'd get out of bed. Hmm. Um, it wasn't for her powers of negotiation and survival. I don't know how the hell she'd cross the street. The adventure of navigating this fucking planet that is so fraught with peril. And if you have kids, you, that's quadrupled. And, or if you have somebody that you love who's walking around out there, doesn't only have to be children that's quadrupled Hmm. that's so brave and terrifying and adventurous and like i love trek but boldly going where no one has gone before no man has gone before 
I boldly go every fucking day. I cross the street, I go to the, the, you know, there's a thousand different micro negotiations that you have to go through just to get out of the house with yourself, with your family out there. So that's why I, it's it's interesting to me that you said this and my boyfriend just said this to me. Hmm. I read male authors, interestingly. Hmm. And a lot of that probably has to do with like, uh, I never related to the Bronte chicks. Mm. And I never related to little women and I never related to any of that stuff because they were so far from my experience as a brown girl in the world. Right. Mm. I had nothing to say to the Moors and the swooning and the, I understand that they're incredibly valuable. I'm not dissing them. I'm just saying it wasn't my experience. I didn't relate. They wouldn't talk to me, those ladies. Right. So my heart didn't beat for them. My heart would beat for the people who would speak to me. And none of those chicks would have a minute for me or my family. Now, I mean, as I get older, I get let go of that and appreciate the storytelling and the character descriptions. I'm deeply devoted to Edith Wharton now Hmm. because she's funny and she's snarky. These are the eyes that I have, right, for whatever fucking reason. To learn to accept is my path right now. Not to sound too groovy about it. Edith Wharton has been a great door for me. And not making it all about me and my selfish bullshit, which is also has it got to say, it's got a little bit like you can't say, what were you taught in school? Were there any people of color who were your heroines, Mm. literarily speaking, right? Mm -mm. So that made me angry. I was angry all the time when I was reading it. So as I got older, my anger has surprisingly, you may not believe it after listening to me, but my Mm -hmm. anger has mellowed to a certain extent and I can read some of the things that I couldn't read before. I'm not saying I only read black female authors by any stretch. I read a lot of non, I enjoy nonfiction and I'm getting there. I'm getting there. What do you think your grandmother would think of this moment? She was a civil rights activist. It's a very good question. I mean, she, by the end of her life was pretty much done You know, she lived a life that was incredibly particular, far more difficult than mine. Here's the thing. This moment is probably no, it's no different. The COVID of it all is different, but the egregious murders and the the injustice is nothing new. It's just more witnessed. It's Mm. just more. Tarana said something extraordinary. I was watching her and she said, she was like, I was reading since George Floyd, how many black women have been murdered or assaulted by their domestic partners. And it's, some, you know, it's in the hundreds, hmm. right? So this is pretty much, I think, business as usual in the United States of America. It's just, it's just without manners. Mm-hmm. In this moment, I keep thinking about her and the end, which Lena we're speaking about. The activist Lena would be rageful. The older Lena would be in her apartment and disconnect from it because it would be too painful. And she's done enough. And it's also not her mess to fix. Mm. Straight up, it's the Caucasian mess to fix. Mm -hmm. The ladies who voted for him need to have that. I think they should have that reckoning. I hope those who made the mess will make progress within themselves to clean it. Mm -hmm. Me too. So thank you, Jenny. Sure. <laughs> sure. This, this you're been a force. Really great. You're, you really are. You're such a force. This is amazing. So oh, if people you. listen, please tell my children because they don't fucking listen to me. 
My daughter had candy corns for dinner last night. And I was like, wait, what? No. She's like, it's a vegetable. That's like, fine. Totally fine. <laughs> Nobody's judging that. Thanks so much for listening to Everything is Fine. We are your hosts, Talia Bacassis. And Kim France. If you like the show, be sure to rate it and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you have suggestions for show ideas or anything else, email us at tallyandkim at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram that is EIF Podcast, and you can find Kim on her blog, girlsofacertainage.com. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.